if you replace some of the foods that you're eating with something that is more nutrient dense in protein, high quality protein, you're going to get leaner because consuming the protein actually requires more calories to burn. It, because the protein stimulates this protein synthesis and it gets used throughout the body in these ways that, that um, help you rebuild all your proteins, it's actually like it makes you burn calories in order to perform that. One of my favorite things about my job as a holistic nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner is I get to change my mind. I graduated in 2008 and to see the ideas that I had around nutrition, health, everything is so different from today. And I'm so thankful that I am able to, though it is hard sometimes, let me tell you, to like drop down, be humble, drop my ego and truly listen to colleagues, clients, my body, friends, and truly, truly listen to what people are experiencing. It always comes with a shift in perspective, which helps me be better at my job. And it's hard. And I've had to multiple times go out to the public and say, hey, so like, you know, when I said moderate your protein on a ketogenic diet, well, yeah, I was wrong. I don't think we should moderate it. I think it should be high. I think it should almost, in most cases, be higher than fat. Surprise. <laughs> it it sucks in some ways, but it's so awesome in others. And so today we're going to be talking about protein. The building blocks of protein are amino acids. There are essential amino acids, non-essential amino acids. We're going to be talking about why it is absolutely imperative to hit a protein goal, why that protein goal is probably going to be double than what you're doing right now, unless you are a protein beast like me and already sitting at 150 to 200 grams a day. Chances are, if you're listening to this and you're a woman, you're probably not eating enough protein. So we're going to be talking about why you need it for organs, skin, hair, hormone health. We're going to talk about supplementing with protein, the ins and the outs of essential amino acids, the difference between BCAAs, creatine, glutamine, and then your essential aminos what it means to supplement with essential aminos and why it can be such a huge help. We're going to be talking about why these essential amino acids have benefits toward our energy, aging, longevity, satiating hunger, muscle building, better mood. We're going to be talking about the concerns around bulking by having more protein because when I tell people that I eat 200 grams of protein a day, I get some looks like, be careful, you're going to look like a man. And so we're going to be breaking down exactly what this looks like and why, and then how to strategically plan out your protein on a day-to-day -day basis or a meal-to-meal -meal basis even. And through the power of podcasting, I was able to, with my guest, Angelo, have a good conversation about how to properly use essential aminos. And he gave me some tips of how to combine it with my workouts, how to combine it with my fasting periods. And so I was able to, over the last month, integrate some of the tips that he provided. And I'm really happy to report that I've really enjoyed adding essential aminos to my fasted workouts. Now, you know that through the podcast, I've said that you have to be very careful with fasted workouts and it's not for everyone and it's not for every workout. And I go in and out depending on where I'm at with my cycle in fasting and working out. So I've started 
bringing in essential aminos to my fasted state while I'm working out so that I don't have to worry so much about the muscle loss that can happen as a result. And I've been, like thumbs up on that situation. Now, when we're talking about protein and intakes and weight loss, there are a couple episodes that we've done pretty recently here all about this topic. So episode 443 that launched October 17th of this year called Key Aspects of Successful Keto Weight Loss with Dr. Brian Raid. That's one to check out if you love today's conversation. And another one to check out episode 445 that released on October 31st called Weight Loss Versus Body Recomposition. So that was just last week. If you missed it, head back on over there after you listen to today's episode because it really fills in some of the blank spaces as it relates to body recomposition, the importance of protein, the importance of looking at more than just the, the weight on the scale. And if you decide after today's conversation that you're like, I want some of these essential aminos, I do not think that I could even get close to 200 grams of protein. Or even if you're able to get up to that amount and you really want to focus on satiation, longevity, muscle building, mood, head on over to getkeon.com slash keto. That's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com slash keto. And you can get 20% off the essential aminos. But my goal today is to really drill down on why amino acids, specifically protein, okay, amino acids are the building blocks of protein, have a role in your energy production, aging, longevity, hunger, muscle building, and better mood. So let's introduce today's guest. His name is Angelo Keeley. He's the co-founder and CEO of Keon, active lifestyle and supplement and functional food company dedicated to helping people fully experience a fun and active life by providing pure energy enhancing solutions. Let's get over to today's interview. Hey, my name is Leanne Vogel. I'm fascinated with helping women navigate how to eat, move and care for their bodies using a low carb diet. I'm a small town holistic nutritionist turned three-time international best-selling author turned functional medicine practitioner offering telemedicine services around the globe to women looking to better their health and stop second-guessing themselves. I'm here to teach you how to wade through the wellness noise to get to the good stuff that'll help you achieve your goals. We're supporting your low-carb life beyond the if-it-fits-your-macros conversation hormones, emotions, relationship to your body, workouts, letdowns, motivation, blood work, detoxing, metabolism. I'm providing the tools to put your motivation into action. Think of it like quality time with your bestie mixed with a little med school so you're empowered at your next doctor visit. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn about your body and how to care for it better. This is the Keto Diet Podcast. Hey, Angelo, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me, Leanne. Yeah. How are you doing? I am so good. I'm so excited to talk about one of my favorite topics, protein. And as somebody who used to be vegan, who maybe had 20 grams of protein a day to now fast forward almost two decades, and I have to control myself not to eat more than 200 grams a day. I love protein. (laughs) Do you really eat like 200 grams a day? I do. Yes. 200. Yes. That's that's impressive. That's awesome. That's impressive. I really like meat and it's not a problem for me. (laughs) 
I think 200 grams is, is, is well within, um, an allowance that's like super healthy and vibrant, but it's yes. definitely more, as we talk more about this, I think people find it's probably more than they're eating and they should be more towards where you are than probably where they are. And I think the big misconception, at least with when I'm meeting with a lot of my clients, they're like, yeah, totally. I eat so much protein. I'm like, let's just track for a day and see. And they think their numbers are at least 100. And oftentimes it's lower than 50, like time and time and time and time and time again. And so I really wanted to have a conversation around the benefits of protein, what it's doing in our bodies, what amino acids are, why it's important, because I think in the keto space, there's this misconception around, well, if I have too much protein, I'm not going to be able to stay in ketosis. I'm going to have issues with insulin. I want to keep my protein low enough that I can lose weight. And so I really want to bust through some of these uh, misconceptions that I see clients make over and over and over again when I'm meeting with them. And you probably see this in the realm of work that you're in also. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So Let's start off with the very basics. Like what is an amino acid and what is it doing in our bodies? Great question. So an amino acid, there are actually lots of different types of amino acids, but when we talk about them, we're typically talking about these 20 dietary amino acids that actually are the little building blocks of proteins. So when we eat a piece of protein, say a piece of meat, eat a piece of meat and there's proteins in that, there may also be carbs and fat in it. The protein, the grams of protein in the meat are made up of these little amino acids. And the reason why amino acids and protein ultimately are important is because really protein is is fundamentally different from both carbohydrates and fat. The primary role of carbohydrates and fat are to be used as energy for our body. And whether you know you take a keto approach and you're you're really trying to utilize ketones more, or you have you know, balanced diet approach where you're trying to utilize both. That's really not the context of this conversation because what you find is that protein is fundamentally different. It's, that's not its primary role. Its primary role is actually to help us replace the proteins in our body. The reason for that is because the way that proteins function in nature and specifically in our bodies is they basically have a certain like lifetime. And proteins only can exist in their current state for a certain amount of time. And they basically then, in the simplest terms, get old and they need to be refreshed. And so the proteins in our body, which um, maybe just take a step back, like the proteins in our body, what are we even talking about? The proteins in our body are not just what make up all of our muscle, but it makes up our organs, our skin, our hair, our eyes, but even things that you typically don't think of like hormones, enzymes, and proteins, the, the metabolites of proteins are things like our neurotransmitters. So actually the chemicals in our brain are amino acids or other derivatives, metabolites from proteins and amino acids. So these things in our body, like all of these aspects of the functioning of our body um, require to be refreshed. So the way that the proteins function, if you just take like some, you know, a piece of your muscle, is that it can it can only last for so long, and then it needs to get refreshed so that it stays functional. In the simplest terms, I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm oversimplifying so we don't spend three hours on the science of this stuff, but it needs to be refreshed. And so the the protein in your muscle actually breaks itself down into these little unique twenty amino acids, and that goes into your blood. And then it's reutilized to help rebuild a new protein. But the thing is that some of those amino acids can't be reutilized for the same reason they're they're old. They're not ideal to build a new protein with. Some can be. The ones that you don't use end up getting converted to urea and you pee them out. So 
as you immediately can notice, there if you don't um, outside of consuming food or consuming um, proteins exogenously, you're going to break down proteins in your body. Some are going to get peed out, and you're going to be missing something. You're going to need new amino acids to help rebuild those proteins in your body. And the way that we do that is we actually eat proteins. So whether that's meat or dairy products or even the proteins within plants, we chew those up, we digest them, they get broken down into these little individual amino acids. Those amino acids go into our blood and they help rebuild all the proteins in our body. So it is true that if you consume more protein than you potentially need at a certain given time, some of it can get converted into sugars via gluconeogenesis, but its primary role is not that. Its primary role is not to be used as energy. Its primary role is to literally just help us rebuild the proteins in our body. And amino acids are the actual uh, components, the little building blocks of proteins that do that. So why why protein for you? Why amino acids? What lights you up about this topic? <laughs> like when you like, ha- tell us the story about why you do what you do. Why? <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I was at like an open house last night from um, my my older child. My son is going to go to middle school next year, and they were. I was like in this little mock science class, and they're asking a question about like what ties all the life forms together, and I was like nitrogen. And I think they were thinking like, you know, like how we're all part of like a food system, et cetera. But there's actually kind of the same thing. I mean, I think at the essence of what creates living beings is protein. I mean, if you're, if you're just generally curious about life and, and where, you know, how life manifests, you can't do it without proteins. You can't do it, which, and at the heart of amino acids is this nitrogen molecule. molecule. So from a nerd perspective, like that is just really cool um, if you're going to be involved in anything. But I think from a more personal standpoint, I was raised in a family that was super into natural food and health and fitness. My parents had a natural health food store. I was actually raised pescatarian. And so in making that decision, they had to be very thoughtful about protein. I think if you choose to be um, to limit your diet and to limit your protein sources, you just have to be more thoughtful about it. I mean, with, with fish, you got a lot of options and you can still eat eggs and dairy. If you cut that back all the way to vegetarian, you're just more limited. If you go all the way down to vegan, it's possible. You just, you have to apply a lot of more thinking to it because uh, the proteins available in plant-based foods are not as digestible and they don't have as much of this thing I think we'll get to in a little bit, essential amino acids, the active component of the protein. So anyway, my parents were super into that. I was raised with that value. And then, you know, later in my life in adolescence, my parents were also entrepreneurs. So I, I grew up in a somewhat a family of people who had to like do things their own way. <laughs> and so Creative. in that <laughs> creatives. And so I was like that too. I got, I had to do a lot of things my own way and get into a lot of trouble in high school. And um, unfortunately I, I got into a situation where I had a near death experience and I got beaten up really badly. I got stabbed multiple times and I almost died. And it was a, it was a mini month of an almost a full year recovery process And that was both a a mental and a physical recovery journey. And one of the key things I discovered in that outside of, you know, psychotherapy and other types of physical modalities that would help me heal um, was protein nutrition, was how fundamental protein and amino acids were. These things I've been told about as a kid were to literally helping me rebuild these tissues in my body to help me recover and rebuild this muscle I had lost. And ultimately, really, I also really helped regulate my mood. They play a really key role, as I mentioned earlier, in terms of neurotransmitters. So I became passionate about it then, and then you know I pursued different things. And when the time came to uh, start a company a few years ago, and I was thinking about you know 
you just kind of naturally get drawn, I think, to what what's had the most impact in your life. And it's one of those things that I just, you know, it's played a really big role in, in my health and happiness. If you're looking to upgrade your living space with cozy bedding, bath and accessories, check out CozyEarth.com. Cozy Earth's best-selling bamboo sheet set is temperature regulating and incredibly soft. If you like silky smooth sheets, this set is for you. Their site is filled with luxury bedding essentials that add a classic charm to your bedroom space. Premium bedding, cozy reading blankets, comforters, linen duvet covers, and more. Plus, they offer a 10-year warranty on all of their items on all defects except for discoloration. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for my listeners only, up to 35% off site-wide when you use the code KETO at CozyEarth.com. Again, that's CozyEarth.com and use the code KETO for up to 35% off your order. Wow, what an amazing story. And it's always so so fun to hear like the story behind the business and the desire and the passion because there's ultimately that thing that really in a in a successful entrepreneur there's always that story and so thanks so much for sharing that with us and I'm glad you kind of came through that so that you could educate all of us and I agree with you protein is one of those things like it's it's so essential and it's taking me years and I think people are starting to wake up to the in fact I was chatting with a client uh, yesterday and she said you know Every time in the morning when I feel like I'm a little bit flat, I realize the day before I didn't have enough protein. And so when I eat protein, then all of a sudden I feel better. Like I'm starting to have these conversations with individuals that because I think for a long time, protein was kind of at the bottom of the totem pole of priorities when it came to everything else we had going on. Why is eating enough protein specifically for women? We touched on some of the key things that women probably heard in your in what you were saying is hormones, skin, hair, like some of these pieces that women are always thinking about. Are there other pieces why protein is just so important for women? I think one more aspect just to bring up now is lean muscle. Uh, lean muscle, I think even the word muscle sometimes for women is like, if, you know, bulk. does it mean I'm going to get really bulk? Yeah. And let's, I'm not thinking about some like Jack, uh, you know, bodybuilder type. I'm just literally thinking like, do you have just, you know, light muscular definition on your body to where you can easily perform lots of tasks? And that could be, you know, getting through a yoga class and feeling good and strong about it. That could be going for a run. That could be lifting weights. Not only is muscle so important for physical activity and movement, and really as we age, it's really important for that. It also helps regulate our blood sugar. So it plays a key role overall in our metabolism. And in moments, and this is why it's really important as we age, in moments when we do not, we we cannot consume a sufficient amount of protein, and that could be because we're really sick and we just don't want to eat, or we're having some type of chronic illness or injury, and you can't consume a sufficient amount of protein or amino acids to just support all these protein functions I described, like your hormones, your immune system, your hair, all these things, your muscle is the reserve that your body starts breaking down to supply the rest of your body with amino acids. So if you can start to think about maintaining lean muscle as you age, as a reservoir, as a savings account of amino acids for the rest of your body, I think we'll all find that as we age, you'll age with much more grace and much more activity and fun, et cetera. Now, one of the interesting things about how our body reacts to protein is that it actually changes as we age. 
So this is a good time to introduce this concept of essential amino acids. And, I'll, and I, I promise I'll get back to why this is unique for women as well. At the heart of protein, I said there's these 20 amino acids. Well, there's nine that are essential. And they're essential because your body cannot synthesize them. It can't make them. Your body can actually take those nine and it can reconfigure them to turn them into the other 20 amino, the other 11 amino acids, excuse me. So that's why they're called essential. And that's how you define complete proteins. Like if you, for example, look at something that says it has protein in it on the back of a nutrition label, and it doesn't have a percentage of daily value, that's because it's not a complete protein. Interesting version of this is collagen. People think, oh, collagen is you know protein. But if you look at the percentage, there's no daily percentage because it doesn't have all of the essential amino acids. And that's really how you would define something as being a quality protein. The other interesting part of essential amino acids is that they're the thing that actually stimulates the new protein synthesis. So when you eat this protein and you break it down, you get the essential amino acids, it's what tells the body to start building new proteins and leads in that whole process. It uses some of the non-essential amino acids, but it's really the active component of the protein. So when you're 20 years old, either gender, you're super healthy. If you were to consume one gram of just pure free form essential amino acids or one gram of a very high quality protein, like whey protein isolate, that whey protein isolate, only about half of it is essential amino acids. So what's really interesting is gram for gram, the essential amino acids will stimulate twice as much protein synthesis as the whole food protein. It's quality protein. That's when you're 20. And that just shows it's because actually in that whole food protein, less than half of it is the essential amino acids. As we age, what we've discovered is that that protein that used to stimulate a certain amount of protein synthesis in someone at age 30, and then it progressively gets worse at 40, 50, 60, 70, our ability to digest the protein and our sensitivity to stimulating the muscle protein synthesis gets reduced. So if you take free form essential amino acids versus a gram of protein at age 40, you're going to get about three times the impact at age 44, uh, sorry, at age 54, it's going to keep going up and up and up and up. And that is for both genders. The thing that's distinct about women is that they have different hormonal cycles, right, uh, in, in general. And then in menopause, it's a very significant hormonal changes. And during those periods of those hormonal changes, the sensitivity to be able to promote this new protein synthesis gets reduced. And it makes sense. Your body's going through other things. It's not like trying to rebuild all the proteins. It's trying to manage other things during that time. And thus, for a woman who is menopausal, for example, even if they were eating a lot of protein before and doing all the right type of resistance training, they may suddenly start to find that they, sim they simply don't get the same results that they got before. And that's because their body is not able to digest the protein and is not prioritizing that muscle protein synthesis. So you, you need to be thinking about increasing your protein intake even more. And so I'm honestly impressed that you're already consuming like 200 grams of protein because I think it's a very, it's good habits to start, you know, so that as you age, it's going to really um, support you with maintaining good hair, skin, lean muscle, immune function, all those things because your body is going to, um, you're just going to be used to eating that amount of protein. That said, for folks that, you know, that sounds hard or really challenging, that's the perfect example of why supplementing with something like a free form essential amino acid can be so effective and helpful because it can be four or five times the impact of a whole food protein. And again, not to replace the protein that you eat, but 
potential time when you might want to supplement it in order to maintain all these functions. So your question was, how is it important for women? I feel like I gave you a lot more than that, but did I did I answer the core question? You totally did. And I have a couple of questions that kind of stem from that and a comment too. I get that question a lot of like, but will I bulk? I just want to highlight this because we touched on it very briefly, but okay. So bulking is very hard to do. You have to set out on a bulking journey that could take at least a year and it has to be your number one priority in life. And so to think if I eat a little bit more protein, I'm going to bulk, I'm going to get bulky. No, you won't, my friend. It is so hard to bulk and people do this as their number one goal for years. So don't think that having just a little bit more protein is going to bulk. So I I just want to put that out there because we just touched on it lightly. And the next piece that I think the ears kind of went up was um, collagen. So a lot of ladies, well, because we've come from keto, you know, we're being told to eat more protein. I see a lot of women adding collagen to their coffee in the morning saying, yes, I got my 20 grams in for the morning. Can we talk a little bit about, is that collagen useless? Because it's lacking, and I think it's tryptophan, the amino acid that's not in collagen, should we be having collagen? Should we be counting it as a protein? Or what do we do with that collagen we're adding into our coffees? So short answer is collagen can be useful. But I want to go back and just reaffirm what you said about you're not going to bulk. It's actually the inverse. In order to bulk, you would have to consume, you have to continue to consume a lot more calories in addition to just the protein. You need to be consuming just an overabundance of calories plus the protein and doing a very significant resistance training program. Like if you're like upping your calories a thousand and it's tons of extra protein and you're going to the gym two hours a day and lifting really heavy, I'm like, yeah, you like, yeah, over several months. But the inverse is going to happen if you do the opposite. If you replace some of the foods that you're eating with something that is more nutrient dense in protein, high quality protein, you're going to get leaner because consuming the protein actually requires more calories to burn. It, because the protein stimulates this protein synthesis and it gets used throughout the body in these ways that, that um, help you rebuild all your proteins, it's actually like it makes you burn calories in order to perform that. So you're going to burn more calories from simply eating the protein than if you were to eat fat or carbs. So it's the inverse. <laughs> and then it's going to help you have more, you know, it's, if you replace a pound of fat with a pound of lean muscle, you're going to burn that many more calories each day because your muscle requires more calories to maintain. So you're not going to get bulky, you're going to get leaner. Collagen. So the deal with collagen is that collagen oftentimes, if we just talk about like animal-based collagen, comes from a certain part of the animal, that actually their collagen, right? Like similar to ours. And I think the core original idea, hypothesis was kind of like a like for like. If I eat, if I eat this collagen, right, that comes from an animal, it's going to help me build my own collagen, which has to do with our skin, hair, nails, um, joints, etc. And that's not always the case. But outcome studies have shown actually that, that, that it, it looks pretty solid. That like actually if you consume this collagen, it directly will support with collagen production in your body. Because, but here's what's interesting. Um, it's because it has a bunch of non-essential amino acids in really high doses. So it's very high in hydroxyproline, proline, glycine, which are unique to collagen. And when you consume them and you kind of like mega dose them, then it can support in focusing on the development of skin, hair, nails, joints. 
That said, it's not going to support overall whole body protein synthesis and specifically not muscle protein synthesis because it's deficient in one of those key nine essential amino acids we talked about earlier. And just the overall profile, I don't want to go too down the wormhole on this, but you want all nine essential amino acids and you want them in certain uh, proportions to each other, which makes certain proteins... uh, um, better than others in the simplest terms, right? And it's why eggs are, are and dairy are so superior because they really do have a certain profile of the amino acids that really promotes this protein synthesis. It has more of the essential ones that you really want and collagen simply doesn't. So if you're taking collagen, and I think this is especially the case for people that are aging, let's say you're over 40 and you, you, wanna, you want your body to prioritize hair, skin, nails, et cetera, then taking a collagen supplement specifically for those reasons, it, it's, it's a reasonable thing to do. You also simply could increase your overall protein intake and um, do other healthy behaviors and you'll, you know, and you will support your overall collagen production in the body. You know, I think like a direct comparison between eating 200 grams of protein a day of high quality protein and supplementing with essential amino acids versus taking the collagen. Like we haven't had a study like that, but I would just say, think about it as more, yeah, just targeting like aesthetics. Yeah. You know, yeah, like it's your skin and your answer. hair. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. like, that's, that's how I would think about it, but don't count it. I wouldn't count it towards your protein goal. Yeah, completely. I agree with you completely. That's what I tell my clients, like enjoy it. Cause it's for your hair, skin and nails, but let's <laughs> yeah. not count it toward your protein. Just think of it as a supplement, like taking vitamin D you're also taking collagen. Um, so up until this point, it's been a little bit doom and gloom. We've talked about collagen not being like an ideal source of protein, counting towards your macros and things. Um, we've talked some, what about like not able to digest protein as we age and that getting more challenging? Like, what do we do? Like, what, what do we do to solve this problem if we're not able to digest as we age and it's getting more challenging and we need to eat more? But uh, there's probably a lot of women listening that are like, Leanne, you must be lying. 200 grams of protein. There's no way. I can't get there. Is there a solution for us before we kind of move into other supplementation? I'm probably going to talk about BCAAs and creatine and kind of get into that. But is there a solution to the amino acid conundrum that we've kind of set up so people have a little bit of hope as we kind of turn the corner and talk about other pieces? Yes. And just a bit more context. I don't mean to be like overly doom and gloom, like the protein can't get digested. Like we, if you eat protein as a 50 year old woman, you're going to like, you digest it and you get amino acids out of it. It's simply not as, you're not getting as much from it as you used to. And your body is simply changing over time. So I wouldn't say like, stop eating that protein and replace it with something else. Keep eating that protein. Like try to keep eating healthy protein, you know, in, in every single meal that you eat. That said, you can supplement. And the way that you can supplement is with essential amino acids. So basically, we're able to ferment amino acids out of plant-based sources, actually. So it's vegan. It actually is a great solution for vegans as well. You can get them from other sources, like deriving them from animal sources, but it's kind of, I won't go too down that route, but it's like, it's kind of... um, it, does, it just simply doesn't make as much sense. You're like breaking down existing proteins for it. Whereas in this case, you can get these free form essential amino acids and you can formulate them in these ideal ratios that help overcome some of this anabolic resistance that happens as we age, the, the resistance of the body to want to stimulate the new muscle protein synthesis. And in taking these, as I described earlier, like it can become, you know, two, three, four, five times as impactful as protein because you don't have to digest them. 
they immediately become available in the blood. And we've actually found that by coming by becoming immediately available in the blood and immediately entering into the muscle tissue, you hit these kind of peak concentrations. And that's what really helps overcome that resistance and ensures that your body does try to refresh all those proteins. That's really, that's really the solution. Continue to try to eat this higher protein diet and then add essential amino acids as a supplement. And some of the ways that you can think about adding them as a supplement can be first thing in the morning. It could be during periods like in between meals, like maybe you, you would have, um, particularly times when you might like choose a bad, not bad, uh, a, a not nutrient dense snack. You know, I think some people find themselves choosing something that's not ideal, like mid morning or during a slump in the afternoon, like around, you know, I'm going to have another coffee. It's a great opportunity instead to take essential amino acids. You will find, like you described earlier, a boost in mood, a boost in energy. You'll ensure that you're stimulating more of that muscle protein synthesis and you can, you can get them in like yummy flavors, you know, like a berry drink or mango, et cetera. And in that way, you know, it also doesn't feel like you're depriving yourself of maybe, you know, getting to have something in that moment, but it's actually something that helps nurture your overall whole body and, and muscle protein synthesis. So I think that's really one of the most ideal solutions. You could choose things like upping your protein even more, like a protein shake, you know, like I'm going to do another protein shake. But as I described earlier, and, and actually really interesting studies in women, three grams of essential amino acids stimulated as much muscle protein synthesis as 20 grams of protein, whey protein. So like instead of the protein shake mid-afternoon, instead doing this is going to have six times the impact of like what a standard protein shake would be in terms of protein synthesis. So it's just much more efficient, much more effective. It doesn't have also the same amount of like the caloric load for it. So I think really it's, it's an ideal solution for, uh, for people in this age group and women uh, specifically. Yeah, I think the caloric piece is important. Like I just had my essential amino acids this afternoon and I had protein ice cream for lunch. I've been doing this a lot and it's quite it's quite filling, but it's not it's not like super ideal. So between lunch, just like you said, like it's a it's a great delicious protein ice cream. I make it, but it's just not super ideal. So like between my lunch and then my evening meal, because I have two evening meals, the first one, I will have the essential amino acids. And I just find like in between, it's not going to add a ton of calories like a protein shake would, but it will kind of like hold me over until my first evening meal. And I just find that that works really well. So couldn't agree with you more on that. I guess what's probably coming up and what went on in my mind the first time I heard of this stuff was, well, how does this compare to my BCAAs, my creatine, the glutamine that I'm taking because I'm working out a lot. So I'm taking glutamine for my gut. Like all of these are amino acids. How do they, are they competing? Are they different? Are they the same? What's the deal? So we'll take them like one by one, I guess. Okay, deal. So yeah, so it's a great question. Um, BCAAs are called, they're actually, it's an it's a abbreviation for branch chain amino acids, and they're three of the nine essential amino acids. And they're actually three of what we might say the most important, the stars of the essential amino acids. And so in earlier research, 40, 50 years ago, we identified that we're like, oh, it's leucine, isoleucine and valine that are like, they're like the thing that's like kickstarting this protein synthesis. As we continue to study it though, and now it's been 25 years, it's become very clear that by only supplementing with those branch chain amino acids, it is not anabolic. It does not promote protein synthesis. You have to have the other six. 
So you should be taking all nine essential amino acids at the same time. If you're like a dietitian and you want to get into, for example, I don't know, you're like a vegan dietitian and you're eating a super plant-based diet and there's not enough of these other essential amino acids and you take BCAs on top of it and like come up with some kind of special solution, like it could make sense. But for the vast majority of people, more than the vast majority, almost everyone, BCAs are a waste of your money. That's the simple answer. Don't waste your money on BCAs. If you're going to take supplemental amino acids, I would highly recommend you just focus on the essential amino acids. We'll, we'll get to glutamine in a second. So that answered the BCAA question? Yep. I could okay. agree with you more. I'm with yeah. you on that. <laughs> okay. Creatine is an interesting one. It's different. It's um, I would just give thumbs up creatine. <laughs> I I give two thumbs up. (laughs) That's the quick answer. So creatine actually is technically an amino acid. It's not one of those 20 dietary and it plays a very different role in the body without nerding out on it too much. We have multiple energy systems in our body, ways that we um, basically convert stored energy into like active energy we actually use to move ourselves and to perform activities. And people are typically familiar with aerobic and anaerobic. Um, I think especially people who are interested in keto because you're, you're trying to you know, change your energy systems. There's a third one, though, that's called the phosphocreatine energy system. And it actually utilizes uh, phosphocreatine stores at the location of the muscle, like in the cells. And it's for super quick bursts of energy. And so it's like when you're like pushing up the, when you're like pushing up the barbell. And it's especially useful if, for example, you're doing some type of weight training and you, and you typically can do 10 reps of this weight. If you have been habitually taking creatine, you'll find you could do 12 reps. Because you can actually just, you have more of this stored energy at the, at the muscle itself and allows you to perform more work. So that's its like fundamental role. And so it's beneficial in that way because um, it really improves your overall exercise performance. And by improving your exercise performance, it enables you to get more gains from your exercise. We didn't go too much in that with EAAs. Essential amino acids actually have incredible benefits if taken before, during, or after exercise. So we could go into that if you want to, but creatine, absolutely. If you just take it every day, um, it doesn't matter when you take it. It's about just digesting it every day and it being in your actual muscle tissue, you will see a lot better performance in exercise itself. And by having better performance in exercise itself, you're going to be, you're going to get healthier. You're going to get stronger. There's really other interesting studies too, that are more related to sleep and related to cognition. They're more limited. But what appears to be the case is that in a similar way that it impacts your muscles performance, it impacts your uh, brain's performance and the ability to sleep by basically providing this immediate energy source to the brain. But there's less, there's just like, I mean, there's like a thousand studies on more of that on creatine around, yeah, around overall like exercise performance. So it's a good one. Only thing on that, again, I'd say there's kind of weird history where people are afraid it's going to make you bulk just by taking it. It is the case that by going into the muscle, it does draw more water into the muscle. So if you did like a body scan and you saw how much muscle, fat, bones you have, et cetera, and then you start taking creatine, you would know that your muscle weight would, your muscle volume would go up some as with the water inside of the muscle because it's being stored, but it's not the kind of thing that's like, and maybe on the scale, you weigh a pound more, but it's not it's not a bad pound, right? It's water being stored inside your muscle and it's overall helping you have better energy and exercise performance, et cetera. So creatine, did I answer that one okay? Love creatine. A lot of women are also concerned about losing hair with creatine. That's I've not it's seen just not, that. 
Yeah, it's just it's just not it's not a thing. It's one of those old myths. Yes, totally. Love creatine. Some women do say when they start supplementing with creatine, they do get a little bit puffy, like more of a water weight situation. But I found if you just have faith, it will kind of subside and things will be great and you'll be lifting heavier. So love creatine. Yes. The next one was glutamine, which a lot of individuals do take. People that are interested in protein, glutamine comes up only because if we're lifting and we're doing heavy things and all the things, it's going to maybe affect our gut. And so a lot of people will take glutamine. Thoughts on glutamine? Yeah. And for glutamine, it's it's a non-essential amino acid that actually is part of like, it's very common in meat-based diets. And uh, it has no negative side effects with, you know, it's not going to compete with the essential amino acids. Cool. Awesome. So we talked just briefly, maybe at like minute five, about protein intake. And there was a little bit about uh, urea. And then we kind of skimmed over it. I think this conversation around protein wouldn't be complete if we didn't talk about the concerns around kidney function and protein intake. Is it amino acids that could affect kidneys? Are the amino acids affecting kidneys? Is it protein intake overall? Can we just kind of clear up some of the kidney concerns within this conversation? Yes. So for anyone who does not have kidney disease, the research overwhelmingly shows that protein consumption does not negatively impact your kidneys, nor does it cause kidney disease. So I think that's the first most important thing to say. By consuming 200 grams of protein a day, by consuming free-form essential amino acids, there is no negative impact to your kidneys. That said, for someone with some form of kidney disease or advanced kidney disease, one of the issues is that when they try to consume protein, the excess of certain non-essential amino acids typically have to be processed. And when they're processed by the kidneys, it taxes the kidneys more. And so this is actually um, an interesting topic that I'm, I'm less, I mean, I've read many of these papers, but I'm less familiar with it because I'm, I'm thinking more in terms, not like in a clinical setting of you know, solving kidney disease, but actually essential amino acids are something actively being studied as a therapy, not as a therapeutic, but as a nutritional replacement for protein for people with kidney disease. The reason for that being is because as we talked about earlier, constantly the proteins in our body are being broken down. And when they get broken down, they get broken down into essential and non-essential amino acids. And some of them can be reused and some of them cannot be reused, right? And get converted. When you only consume essential amino acids, it ensures that you have less of an abundance of non-essential amino acids that you consumed at the same time And so there's a total net lower amount of total amino acids being put into the digestive system and into the blood. And thus there's a lower amount of processing that the kidneys have to do because you end up just prioritizing as much of the existing broken down amino acids that are in the blood to be utilized with just the essential amino acids, which are really the active component. So in short, protein and essential amino acids you don't have to worry about them at all if you have healthy kidneys. They're not going to, there's no science right now that, that shows that it would provoke or create any type of kidney issues. If you have advanced kidney disease, I would actually talk to your doctor about potentially the research and the science that's out there about essential amino acids because it, it may be something that uh, he or she may recommend to you. Oh, that sound of magic. I just shook a packet of Element Recharge watermelon salt in your ear. And if you're anything like me, you just salivated because you know that your body needs 
copious amounts of sodium to maintain your ketogenic diet. Now, sodium is the body's great solvent. It's a primary alkalizer. It's regulated by the adrenal glands, aka aldosterone, actually. It regulates the blood pressure. It increases heart rate. It maintains fluid balance and maintains pH levels. It also influences stomach acid levels. So if you don't have enough sodium, you're not going to be making stomach acid. You're going to be welcoming in parasites and all those sorts of things. I say to my clients, think of your stomach acid like the initial wall that stops all those little critters from getting in. Sodium also influences cellular membrane permeability and so much more. In addition, it's not just sodium you're going to find in element electrolytes. You're also going to find 200 milligrams of potassium. Did you know that the average body needs about 3,000 milligrams of potassium per day? I challenge you today to look at your food log and see how little potassium you're eating on a daily basis. This is a primary solvent mineral just like sodium, it's an intracellular mineral. It regulates the blood pressure with sodium. It maintains fluid balance, pH levels of the body. It influences cellular membrane permeability. It sensitizes the cell to thyroid hormone. So if you're having issues with your thyroid, the number one mineral you need to be thinking about is potassium. It also influences nerve conduction of the heart. It lowers heart rate, it dilates arteries, and so many good things. So I just went through two of the three main minerals in Element Electrolytes. Now, what I love about Element Electrolytes is the flavor. They're really salty with a thousand milligrams of sodium per serving. The stuff is good. I have it in my water bottle beside me. Now, I've been sharing Element for at least two years. I love this stuff. And Element has been so gracious with the offer for our listeners. You get a sample pack with any of your orders on Element. That's eight single serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors and decide that watermelon salt is your favorite. No, I'm just kidding. It's my personal favorite. I love it. Same with the raspberry one, but you get to try them and let me know what you think. You can get yours by going to drinklmnt.com slash KDP. This deal is only available through my link. You must go to drink klmnt.com slash kdp to get your single serving packets for free with any order. Try it totally risk-free and if you don't like it, share it with a salty friend and they will give you your money back, no questions asked. You really have nothing to lose and everything to gain so you can shake shake your element along with me. I always carry it around in my purse. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine my keto life without it. Amazing. Amazing. So I want to highlight the benefits and some of the pieces that we talked about when it comes to essential amino acids. And then I'd love to spend the rest of the time kind of talking about the strategic protein planning, because I like to give like key, here's what you do. Here's how you do it. Here's what not to do when it comes to just taking essential amino acids, because sometimes these conversations back and forth, people are like, yeah, this sounds really great, but like, what do I do? <laughs> so yeah. Okay, so benefits kind of to summarize some of the pieces that we've talked about. It sounds like essential amino acids, especially, are going to be helpful for energy. They're probably going to help aging. They're going to probably help with uh, satiating hunger. 
which is what I use them for a lot. Muscle building, which we touched on. Better mood, we touched on. Uh, longevity, probably because we're able to move and we're able to hold our muscle. Is there any other key benefits? So like energy, aging, satiating hunger, muscle building, better mood, anything that you feel like I missed is just like the highlights of the benefits of essential amino acids. That's a pretty great summary. I mean, it's hard. I don't want to just keep going on about like hormones and enzymes and immune system. I mean, the list really does go on, but that's those are the primary. Okay. And so with energy, if an individual just heard you say like you could take essential amino acids before a workout, why wouldn't I just take my pre-workout that has caffeine? What are the differences between this? Great question. So it's hard to answer exactly because I don't know what's in your pre-workout, but I what I would ask you is, are you in the same situation? <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm, I think that's many people. They're like, I, I'm in this, I, I know there's caffeine in it. I don't know. Is there citrulline? Is there like uh, some kind of NO booster? Like oftentimes they may not know. So um, what I would say is overall, my approach to nutrition and supplementation is more minimalist. It's like you start with like whole foods. You eat good whole foods that your body really wants and needs. And then you look towards, hey, are there other things that I can add? Because maybe one, they really bring me pleasure. I think caffeine, like coffee is one of those things. Like, I don't know that, I mean, I have all kinds of reasons why I think coffee is potentially good for antioxidants. There's studies around longevity, but I drink coffee because I like it. I like the caffeine. You know, I, I like the feeling of it. I like the taste of it, et cetera. So, you know, like, are there things that you can enjoy that don't super negatively impact you? And then are there things that, I, that you're potentially not getting from your diet that are just not as available, even if you're trying to eat well, whole foods and, or that are going to really truly enhance your immediate experience and create long-term benefits. So I would squarely put essential amino acids in that group. And again, this is if you're taking all nine essential amino acids and in a, in an ideal formula, it's not like just any, you know, anyone you get off the shelf, you, you got to be looking for the right type of formula around this. But if you take them, you are going to have this massive increase in the stimulation of muscle protein synthesis combined with the exercise is going to make your whole workout more efficient. You're going to get more improved functional muscle. You're going to get more gains from it. You're going to reduce your recovery time from it by supplementing with the amino acids beforehand. What happens is you also dramatically improve your muscular endurance during the period because we didn't get all into this again because I didn't want to like say it does everything, but amino acids actually play this key role for the mitochondria in actually uh, converting the energy. They're, they're major facilitators of the energy. And so when you're exercising a lot, the mitochondria have additional need for these amino acids particularly leucine and, and uh, valine and um, isoleucine to help support that process. So you're basically like burning, oxidizing them much faster. And if you don't supplement with them, you're literally going to have less muscular endurance. If you, if you supplement with them, your body's going to have more of them because it, it helps your body to not need to break down the muscle to support the process. So basically, it's going to make exercising easier. It's going to get you more from it, and it's going to overall improve your recovery. So like that on its own, not only is it making it better right now, it's like literally going to make it to where I can train again tomorrow. And it's, and it's going to make it to where I'm building upon the positive effects that I got today long-term. I think you just have to ask the same questions of your pre-workout. Like, is it doing it? Are these unique ingredients doing that? Are they just like giving me like this, making me feel tingly and giving me this blood flow and this pump? Are they just kind of getting me high on the caffeine? And if those are things that you think really do create long-term benefits, whatever they are, you have to look at what the ingredients are, then 
potentially it's beneficial. If it's only short term and it's really just this like fun thing that you do, is that how you want to spend your time and money? I mean, we, we you know we have so many kind of things that we can choose to do because they're pleasurable, right? I like coffee, but I'm not going to waste it on like like a donut. Like I don't like donuts, and I'm not going to waste it on a pre workout. I'm not going to waste it, you know, my time and energy and money on things that. Don't, I don't know, bring me enough joy or really make me healthy. Yeah, I'm the same with a pre-workout. I leave it every time. It's not my it's not my cup of tea at all. So like teaser, you make an essential amino acid uh, supplement. So surprise. Um, but like when somebody is at the store or when somebody is trying to make this decision between essential amino acids, you said the right type of formula. What type of formula is the right type of formula? Obviously, your formula is the right type of formula. But what are we looking at when it comes to the yeses and the nos around the supplementation of essential amino acids? So this idea of the right type of formula, rather than thinking of like, oh, there's like good and bad, it's really there's just been research built upon research, built upon research, built upon research over the last 40 years. And there's many studies. There's studies for NASA, for the US military, for seniors, for women in menopause now. Like there's there's just all these studies that have been stacking up, uh, uh, upon each other. And there's a robust academic community that utilizes what worked in the previous studies and builds upon them. And these these amount of each amino acid is published in the studies. So this isn't like secret knowledge or something. Like it's like when we created our formula, we literally just went and looked at all the research and, and what does it say? And so this is what it says. It says that you should start with the proportions of the nine essential amino acids as they actually exist in human skeletal muscle. So look at what's in it, measure the amino acids in human skeletal muscle, and then you increase a few of them. And I'll explain why you increase them. You want to increase the leucine to where it becomes 40% of the final formula. And again, they've just found time after time after time that by increasing the amount of leucine to be much higher amount than it would normally be, like over double, that what happens is that significantly improves the stimulation of the protein synthesis. And this is a trend that you see even with like uh, higher quality proteins, they have more leucine in them. They have a higher proportion of that. You also increase the isoleucine and the valine so that they maintain those proportions that they had before you increase the leucine. And similarly, you have to increase the lysine. And the reason why you increase that fourth one, the lysine, is because it's slower to get into the muscle tissue. And so it becomes like a bottleneck in the whole process. And this has been through, again, like hundreds of studies. I mean, they've just done study after study and study to find this. So those proportions as they exist are what you will find on my company's website. If you go to Get Peon and you look at aminos, the product, it's published. You see it exactly, the exact amount of each amino acid. So if you were trying to compare, you know, to another brand, and I'm not, you know, familiar with like every single brand's form, but I can tell you this, um, I am not familiar of another brand that offers that in a non-proprietary format. There are some other, you know, you may be able to find a, this is another tricky thing. You look at brands and they'll say proprietary formula. And so you won't know actually how much is in it. Okay. So there's five grams of essential amino acids and it includes all these, or they'll say they've got eight of the nine and it includes all these, which definitely don't do that. Only get the eight, but you don't actually know how much of each one. And if it's just as it was in human skeletal muscle, or for some reason they read some, you know, one study and they really increased the, the tryptophan or really increased the histidine or one of these things, you end up with the formula that's really not ideal. And so I think the, the big idea is like, look to the research and look to brands that show you exactly what they put in the product and that it follows what the research said. Couldn't agree with you more. Now let's get to the practical application of this. Um, there's an individual listening that's like, 
I think I want to try to increase my protein intake and increase my essential amino acids. I I think I've been convinced to at least see what it feels like to supplement with essential amino acids. How do we make this work holistically in our life? Maybe I'll start by talking about how I make it work in my life and maybe you can talk about how it works in your life or things that you've seen. Okay. So like I said, I do 200 grams of protein per day. I separate it out into four meals, sometimes five, depending on my workouts. I go half and half where I fast before workouts, where I have nothing but water before a workout and other times where I eat before. If I'm eating before, I always do my essential amino acids along with usually a protein shake also and a bar of some sort. I really like um, certain superfood bars or sometimes I'll even go like super simple with just like an apple, almond butter and essential aminos, depending on how I'm feeling. And so I'll usually separate the protein out into various meals. Usually four, like I said, is what works best. And if I'm fasted when I get home and I'm preparing my my first meal because I've been fasted through my workout, I'm serving the essential amino acids either with my meal or maybe an hour after. And that's kind of how I've structured it. I don't personally count the protein of the essential aminos toward my macros because I just don't. Um, <laughs> and... I think that's, yeah, that's, I think all the pieces, maybe I missed something, but I literally just divide the protein into each meal. I do find if I have more than 50 grams of protein in a meal, it's just too much for me. I could probably push it more, but I probably shouldn't. Yeah, I think that's about it. And I would consider, and maybe you see something different, but I would consider because there's stevia in the product that it's probably going to break a fast if you're wanting to do a traditional fast. And so that's why when I'm fasted and I want to do a fasted workout, um, I won't have them before. But maybe you disagree with me and that's cool too and I'll learn something. But what are your thoughts? Like how do you meld it into your lifestyle? So can I respond to yours first? And then, um, yeah, and this is my perspective on it, you know, the way that I understand the, the science of it. So I think it's actually really interesting that you take it with food. I think a lot of times people think of not taking it with food because it's almost like, um, or not taking it with protein because it, it's almost like another separate time of taking protein, but it does enhance protein. Um, it's actually interesting because it stimulates muscle protein synthesis so much more than protein alone does. It actually makes the amino acids and the protein you're eating more effective and more beneficial. So there's totally a benefit to that. I think the idea overall of dividing your protein up across the day in those chunks makes a lot of sense. And the reason for that is there are certain limits. There's not like a limit to how much, how much protein your body can use, but there's a limit to how much protein your body will prioritize for muscle protein synthesis. And for you at your size, it probably is about 50 grams. So it makes sense. If you eat more than that, it's not going to be as prioritized for building new muscle. Instead, it's going to be, it's a lot of it, more of it could get converted into sugars. And so that is part of the reason why people think, oh, I shouldn't eat so much protein, but it's really how much protein you eat at once is really the bigger, the bigger piece of it. I think in terms of the fasted workout, it's all about like why you're fasting. So yeah, it's all about why you're fasting. I think, but my, my view on the science is that like, I can't see any reason why you'd be fasting unless it's like more like spiritual or psychological about why you would restrict from it for these reasons. There's actually more recent studies out of the military specifically on taking a, a fasted athletes or fasted people in the military taking amino acids and the impact on muscle protein synthesis is so significant. 
And then when you just think in general, like I want to get the most out of this workout by combining essential amino acids with the workout, you will get such a significant increase in muscle protein synthesis so much more than you would get if you were fasted. So it's like, it's, it's net positive. If it's something that's about like autophagy or mitochondrial biogenesis or those types of themes, there's actually, I mean, the research on autophagy and, and the things that are actually are more related to like protein restriction and trying to restrict the amount of mTOR that gets stimulated, those are all rodent-based studies. And I think that the science is much more supportive of actually eating lots of protein and building muscle because the correlation between lean muscle mass as we age and a reduction in all-cause mortality and an overall improvement in quality of life, better outcomes if you get cancer, et cetera, are just so great that it's like prioritizing eating protein and building muscle are so superior to and they have great human outcome studies relative instead to like these autophagy studies that have to do with rodents and it's like cellular. Then if you stack on top of that, that we have rodent studies of EAAs and they show that they promote more uh, uh, mitochondrial biogenesis than the fasting or the caloric restriction without creating the issue around the loss of muscle mass. Because it is the case that if you go more than a few hours without protein, you go into net muscle loss. Your body does start breaking down the muscle. Not like crazy. It's not like you're going to get weak, but like you start breaking down the muscle to supply the rest of your body with amino acids to help rebuild those proteins. So like if it's a mitochondrial biogenesis argument, if it's a exercise performance argument, if it's maintaining lean muscle argument, I just feel like EAAs are, are the better solution. So okay, that's my take. So, so the takeaway in my, in my schedule would be, and you know what? I have not tried this. I have not tried just having essential amino acids before the workout and working out. That's, the, just, that's the first thing I do. Okay. Okay. I'm going to try it because I recover so much better fasted after a workout. Like it's incredible. My recovery, it's incredible, but okay. You've tasked me. You've tasked try the EAAs me to try before. This. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to try that. What are other pieces that you find? Like, did we, do we miss anything and how to structure these, how to bring them in? I think, you know, I think, yeah, I guess rather than trying to go through like how I use them necessarily, but just to further embrace like my reflections on how you use them is just what works for you. Like it is, it is the type of supplement that can work in many different ways. It can make the protein that you eat more effective. It can be used in a period when you typically would be fasting to still maintain like the general sense of, because I like that sense of fasting too. Like first thing in the morning, I don't eat. I take essential amino acids and then I work out and it's got, like, I feel lighter. I feel more present. Like I, I like that. So I think it's a great example of during periods of fasting, actually, which I would say without technically breaking your fast or, you know, interfering with those impacts. And it's excellent before exercise. It's excellent during exercise. It's excellent after exercise. It can fit into kind of snack type periods throughout the day. And yeah, so all of those are good solutions. What I would just say is like, what's going to work for you? If overall you're trying to be healthier, is it just work for you? It's like, you know, I'm just going to take it first thing in the morning. And I know first thing in the morning, I'm stimulating more muscle protein synthesis. I'm breaking, you know, that, that period where my, where my muscle has been breaking down to supply my body with, with amino acids with like this ideal source. If you like it more before exercise, do it then. Uh, I think it's just like, w- what are the best habits for you that are going to help overall support your health goals. Two last questions. How much is too much? Because we've said, we've said before (laughs) workout, after workout, with your meal, snack, like 
how many is is one scoop a day plenty does it does it depend like you were saying as we age we require more what's the strategy there so as i just said one scoop a day is great you're taking a great first step in your health and just helping to um give your body what it really needs the upper intake is ridiculously high like so it has been studied that there's no negative side effects up to 20 servings a day so, so that would be like a hundred grams of just essential amino acids a day that's a lot of essential amino acids now and in the cases where they've been able to study this is like there was a big breakthrough study for nasa uh, almost 20 years ago where they were trying to figure out how to help people how to help astronauts not lose all their muscle when they're in space because they're not lifting weights. You know, they're not, they have no resistance. And so they kept people at bed rest for 28 days on a regular diet and then supplemented them with 15 grams. So three, the equivalent of three servings of Keon aminos six times a day. And after 28 days with no movement, total bed rest, there was no net muscle loss. This could be awesome for individuals that are recovering from surgery and things. <laughs> like, yes. yes. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Because you've got these stressors in the situation and you can't move. You probably don't want to eat heavy meals, et cetera. But just that's, for example, like they've shown over these longer term studies. Um, but yeah, there's a great paper that just came out by the International Society of Sports Nutrition that affirms that up to 20 servings a day is fine. Now that's a lot of, I mean, that's, I'll admit I have tested those maximum amounts. Like I, <laughs> I've been through periods where, um, where, yeah, I was just trying to like test through like building a lot of trying to build lean muscle or trying to cut weight and maintain the lean muscle. Um, it's interesting. There's a guy in our, uh, on our team, he's been on our team for like six years and he recently, he had been bulking and then he wanted to cut and he lost 25 pounds over three months and lost no muscle by taking like three servings of Keon aminos, like three times a day. While also, I mean, he was cutting other calories and being super smart about eating protein, et cetera. But that's pretty unheard of. Like people don't lose 25 pounds and it's like only fat because you simply like you have to just eat so much protein. And, and it's because the essential amino acids are just prioritized around helping to sustain that muscle. So in short, 20, I mean, 20 servings a day, but I, I think, um, I'll tell you this, <laughs> if, if someone is listening to this, wants to take 20 servings a day, they should definitely just like email our support and we will give you some crazy coupon because that's a lot of the... <laughs> I feel like that's I'm a, up for the challenge. Like you should see my eyes right now. I'm like, I think I could do this. Like I really think because I, I feel like I have to control myself. I'm like, not another one today, Leanne, but now I don't need to. Okay, great. Um, And then any thoughts about combining, like we talked about combining it with food. That seems like it's Okay. Sometimes, like today, for example, I forgot to take my creatine when I was supposed to take it. So then I combine my aminos with my creatine. Is that bad? Totally fine. With creatine, the I mean, and you'll read a lot of different stuff. But again, if you actually, if you look at like that, I just mentioned the International Society of Sports Nutrition. They, it's clear, like it doesn't matter when you take it. Just take it every day. If you're gonna take creatine. Take it every day. So no, and I take creatine with. Keon aminos. We have a Keon creatine. I take that with Keon aminos every single morning. First thing. And it makes it taste better because then it yeah. doesn't taste like creatine. <laughs> yeah. Which creatine doesn't really taste like anything. It's just like, it's just like kind of weird how it doesn't taste like anything. Yeah. And then it, yeah. it kind of alters the water just a little bit. And you're like, I know there's creatine in this, but I can't taste it, but I know it's there. You know, yeah. it's, it's kind of creepy um, in yeah. that way. Oh my goodness, Angelo, this was so great to get to chat with you. Just do, do you feel like I missed anything? Anything you really want to touch on? No, I think this I think this was great. I'm just appreciative of the opportunity to talk about what I love.
Oh, and you can tell you're just so passionate. And for individuals that are listening, I shared this link at the beginning of the episode, but if you missed it, if you go to getkeon.com slash keto, there's an offer there for you. And I talked about it previously, just so you have it there. And you'll also see it in the show notes for today. So it's getkeon, that's K-I-O-N.com slash keto. Thanks, Angelo, for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Leanne. I can't entirely remember whether or not during the episode I shared that the first time I did Keon Aminos and the first time you do Keon Aminos, it will not taste good. You will find it very bitter and gross, but I can tell you the second time around, it won't taste like that. I meant to ask Angelo about this. I don't think we touched on it if I remember correctly, but I just wanted to give you a heads up because... One time I had aminos in my water bottle and I gave it to Kevin and he was like, what is that trash? And I forgot that the first time you try it because of the essential aminos, it's not going to taste good. But then the second time you try it, it's not bitter. It doesn't taste the way it did the first time. So if you end up trying it and that first time you're thinking, Leanne, you, you did me wrong. I swear the next time you do it, it will not taste like that. It's just the first time. I think they even say this on the website because it is aminos. It's going to have that effect, but it only lasts once. So again, that link is getkeon.com slash keto. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and you learned something new about protein. We'll see you back here next Tuesday for another one. Bye. Thanks for listening. Join us next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Looking for more resources? Go to healthfulpursuit.com for keto meal plans, weight loss programs, low-carb recipes, and oodles of free resources to get you going. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representation or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 